values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you spending some time with me on the show. This morning, uh, 835, I had a great conversation with uh, Supervisor Bill Gates. Uh, he's the chairman of the Board of Supervisors in Maricopa County regarding what happened on Election Day and a new investigation that's going to be happening. Um, so I hope you'll go back and listen to the full interview, but I wanted you to hear some of what he had to say. And the reason why I think it's important is with the issues that happen on Election Day, questions about election integrity only made them worse and worse and worse. We know that lawsuits do continue. Um, Abe Hamaday lost by a couple of hundred votes out of two and a half million that were cast. So he is going to exhaust every uh, every possibility. We know that Carrie Lake is going to is continuing to talk about this. Were the mistakes were they mistakes? Was something intentional done? So I asked the supervisor this morning. I asked Bill Gates, why are you doing this? The day after Election Day, when we did see those issues that, that occurred with the printers and then the, the resulting uh, impact on having ballots go through the tabulators, uh, our vice chair of the board, Clint Hickman, and I put out a statement. And we said that we were going to have outside experts come in, take a look at this, to do a deep dive, determine exactly what happened, and make sure that this doesn't happen again. You know, and I asked the question about it being intentional. Is there any? Is there a chance that this was done? intentionally by someone and uh, this is this kind of how we answered the question. We have asked Chief Justice Ruth McGregor to lead this investigation up and follow this wherever it leads but I'm not going to follow the lead of people, you know, unfortunately the past few years who just say, I'm just asking questions and, and, and throw sort of wild allegations out there. So I, I don't know uh, what uh, she will find. So uh, this is, uh, you know, it, it, it's something that needs to be done. We have questions that need to be answered. Everybody in Maricopa County deserves to know that their votes are going to count, making it easy. Now, one of the things they do in Maricopa County that's different is when you go to a voting center, you don't have to go to a specific precinct. Other counties still do it the old way where you go to a specific precinct. And um, what they do there is when you go when you go to a voting center like I did um, and I didn't go on election on election day, I went on the Friday before because election day was going to be so busy for us here. So I went into a center and I actually voted early, but in person. You show your ID, you prove who you are, you check in, and then they print your ballot specifically for your precinct. So all of the people you're voting for for the council and all the different things that are specific to you are printed out on that ballot and then you vote. And so there were issues with those printers. And so the question in my mind is if it was the same problem at multiple locations, what did they do wrong so that it happened everywhere, or was it a different printer issue at some locations? That's another one. So I asked when Justice McGregor, who was a former chief justice, when she hires her team, who will be the people that she employs? Who is she going to reach out to that are going to look into these things? She's going to be looking for people who understand technology, people who understand uh, printers, uh, things of that sort. Uh, there, there are there is an expertise that's required with this, but you know, it's it's people who understand how systems work, and I know she's going to put together a team that's going to do a great job. 
And they're going to take the time that it needs to get to the bottom of it. So I talked to him about the election and his confidence that the election was run properly. And then what you know, and what does he want to say to voters? And he talked here about being committed to running clean elections. At Maricopa County, we are focused not only in elections, but in the 50 plus lines of business that we're in. We are committed to continuous improvement. And I have no question that there are things that we have learned uh, that we will implement. Um, but at this point, I can't go through exactly what those changes will be. The system works well, but we can do better. So um, he said he was going to he's going to work with the state of Arizona with the investigation as well. We stand prepared to discuss with uh, leaders at the statewide level, legislature, the governor, secretary of state and others, if they would like to discuss further changes in state law. So when you look at what the, the totality of what's happening, is there room for improvement? Absolutely. What do you do to ensure that when somebody shows up on Election Day to vote in Maricopa County, that their ballots are counted right in front of them to make sure that people have confidence in the fairness of the votes? And I asked him about this. I asked him about the election and how what he says to people that are still doubtful that the elections in Maricopa County were fair and that the outcomes were the right outcomes. We ran, without a doubt, the most transparent election we've ever run. In 2022, uh, we ran that in Maricopa County. So there were so many eyeballs on this election. The national media, the local media, all the observers, Republicans and Democrats in the room throughout. So we've never been more transparent than that. And he also said the lawsuits, that the lawsuits also added another level of transparency. We've probably never had an election that was more litigated than this one. We had multiple litigation going on involving the governor's race, the secretary of state's race, the attorney general's race. And all those were reviewed. And all of those courts, again, stood behind the the results. So I would say we've never had more eyeballs on an election. The folks who have been have now been sworn into office. They are now our elected officials. So um, I think that the uh, I think the Board of Supervisors would admit that the problems that happen on Election Day only contributed to the doubt in many people's eyes, whether it's legitimate doubt or not. The perception of illegality, the perception of cheating, it was already there in the eyes of some. And this made it seem like it was even bigger. Now, I don't subscribe to that. I'm not someone that believes that cheating happened. I believe it was a huge mistake. I think there were a lot of mistakes that were made that were very unfortunate and the timing could not have been worse. There's no doubt about that. What can be done to ensure to ensure that when people go to the polls that their votes are counted in a timely fashion they're counted correctly so that we get the correct results we've seen recounts now in the recount for uh, Abe Hamaday there was I think was a 500 vote differential and so why is there such a high number of of uh, where, where there are a number of problems what happens in situations like that and when you look at all of this when you look at these things um, I think I think everyone just wants to know, win or lose, that it was done the right way. No one wants to feel as if someone is putting their thumb on the scale. And ultimately, the responsibility falls on the county to make sure that happens. Just so you know, we've had Stephen Richer, who was the county recorder, on this show many times. He is responsible for early voting. 
So the early voting is the responsibility of his office. But the election day voting was the responsibility of the county board of supervisors, which is why we had Mr. Gates on instead of having Stephen Richer on is because ultimately it was their responsibility to run election day. When it doesn't run smoothly, when you have um, multiple places that have issues with printers, these are the kinds of questions that people are going to ask. But I will tell you that in hindsight, the only thing that they could do is what they are doing. Unless people are questioning, and this is where my frustration happens sometimes, when you question the validity of something and then you demand an investigation and then you get an investigation, but you don't get the answers you want, so you demand someone else do it or you say the people that were involved in the investigation were in on it. You know, um, in Maricopa County, they hired um, they hired a special master uh, named John Shattuck, a former congressman, that everybody agreed was going to be fair. And then when his answers came back that nothing was done wrong, people were angry that he must have either been in on it or he got the wrong answers. Sometimes you have to live with what you see when the evidence is there. The only thing that the county can do is make sure they do a thorough investigation, make all of the results public to the people of Maricopa County, and then let the people decide from there what to do next. And I think that's a smart thing to do. Coming up in a moment, we do something called Did You Hear This? We do it every day at 1120 to get you caught up on the biggest news stories. We're going to do that coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, time to get you caught up with the big news stories. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. President Biden visited the southern border in El Paso yesterday, but Texas Governor Greg Abbott isn't convinced by his appearance. This is nothing but for show unless it begins to enforce the immigration laws already that exist in the United States of America that are contained in the letter that are provided to the president today. Will President Biden enforce laws to get the situation under control? You know, that's such a mystery to me. We haven't seen anything from this administration to address the issue until now. It's over you know, two years into his administration, and we are just now getting around to saying what the problem is. They cleaned up things around El Paso before the president got there. Um, he didn't go down to McAllen, Texas. He didn't do a lot of things that people wanted him to do so he could see the real problem. Is this going to be a policy shift? That's the big question. Will they change existing policy to enforce existing laws? I don't have the confidence that he will. Let's just hope that he does. You know, again, I don't want to see the president fail because then America fails. But on this one, it has been a failure so far. So unless he does put some teeth in his policy, we are not going to see anything change at the border. Chairman of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, Bill Gates, explained why there is a need for an investigation into the issues experienced on Election Day. Our vice chair of the board, Clint Hickman, and I put out a statement and we said that we were going to have outside experts come in, take a look at this, to do a deep dive, determine exactly what happened, and make sure that this doesn't happen again. What are you hoping to see out of the investigation? I'd like to see transparency, exactly what happened. When you hear printer issues, was it, was it the same problem? 
problem at every location? Was it different problems at different locations? Did somebody touch or mess with the settings inadvertently? Do they think it was done on purpose? Can you nail it down to who did this? Um, all of these questions need to be answered because to find out, you know, not chasing conspiracy theories just to get to the bottom of what happened. Once you know what happened, that's when you can figure out how to stop it from ever happening again. But to be transparent about this is what happened on Election Day. We're confident this was the problem. Now we know how to make sure it doesn't happen again. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. Egg prices are becoming exhaustingly high, and the president and CEO of Hickman's Family Farms, Glenn Hickman, joined the show to explain the factors causing the spike in cost. We've had layer farms that have continued to be infected, and, and when they're infected, they have to get depopulated. And so it's contributed to a shortage of eggs. At the same time, the holiday de- demand for Thanksgiving and especially Christmas baking was at its highest. Do you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, he was talking about that we are seeing demand go down a little bit. They're starting to catch up a little bit more. Prices are going to go down. But he also said that with the cost of grain going up because of the war in Ukraine, so much of the world's grain comes from that part of the world that we now are seeing feed prices go up. So they are. he said that they may settle, but the days of them being as low as they were before are probably gone forever. But we are going to see a reduction, and I think this is necessary for everybody. It's such a, Eggs are such a staple in every household in the country, and I just hope they go down soon. Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury has been fired, and the general manager Steve Kime has stepped away due to health reasons. Arizona Sports Dan Bickley says the organization needs a shakeup. They need a culture change, and that culture change culture change comes with a fresh set of eyes from the outside. Who do you hope becomes the next head coach of the Cardinals? I mean, listen, if I had my wish, I, it would be Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton has a record of success. He's a man of high character. He's been respected by everybody that's ever played for him, and other players from other teams respect the heck out of that guy. He has also been the coach of an undersized quarterback in Drew Brees who is uh, a look at the record that Drew Brees had throughout his career, his ability to become a Hall of Fame quarterback under such a head coach. So if I had my way, it would be Sean Payton. But again, these are going to be coaches. The people at the top of everybody's list are going to have choices. Will the Cardinals be able to give Sean Payton what he wants? And who knows what that is? The thing about it is with Sean Payton is you can't talk to him at least I think it's for at least another week or so until after the first round of the playoffs. You're not allowed to talk to him because you have to be. You have to wait until it's a week from today. I think it is before you could have a conversation. And he's under contract for two years with the New Orleans Saints, which means you're going to have to give the Saints something, whether it's draft picks, just like a trade. So will it be too expensive for the Cardinals to be able to get Sean Payton? But someone's going to get him. I just hope that it's Arizona. Great job, Julia. That's Did You Hear This for today. We'll do it again tomorrow. Um, it, it, it's an interesting conversation now because not only did we find out that the the coach for the Arizona Cardinals has been fired, but the GM, Steve Keim, says he is stepping away from the job to focus on his health. So they will be looking both for a GM and for a head coach. And so what that is going to bring to the team could be sweeping changes, which could be good. There's a lot of talent on the Arizona Cardinals. And, and I've been a big fan of Michael Bidwill since he took over for his father. Um, uh, Michael made a promise to put success on the field. He made a commitment to do that. He did that. He had he put a team on the field, or at least you know he he owns the team. So he, he took us to a Super Bowl, um, and I think that he's he's had that recipe before. 
And will he do it again? And that's the question is what will be what will it take for him to entice? Now, Arizona is a great place to live. There's no doubt that the climate here is something that people would look forward to Um, with the price of uh, with taxes being low like it is for a coach with the uh, the atmosphere here with the proximity to Vegas and to L.A. and to the beaches. You know, it's it's a just a quick hop, skip and a jump, especially for someone who has access to an airplane. Um, Can we entice somebody that's of that top level? Sean Payton would be one. Harbaugh would be another one. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be a tough race because there are a lot of teams, really good teams with quality programs and quality ownership that are going to be looking for head coaches. So I'm anxious to see exactly what the Cardinals do. In a moment, we are going to expand a little bit on the border visit by the president. I think this is a very, very big story. President Biden visits the border. Uh, the border. How are people reacting? We'll talk about it next. Show KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. One of the big issues facing this country is the border issue. Uh, I've gone over it and over it and over it, but um, it's affecting our immigration system. Um, because more and more people are getting frustrated about immigration as a whole. I think that's bad for America. I think we should always be a nation of immigrants. I think we should be welcoming people to our shores. We should have new blood coming in. We should employ people through our visa program that are here that can contribute to our economy when we need them. All of that should remain. What we are seeing, though, is people uh, circumventing and kind of abusing our system, and nothing is being done about it. Now, it's bad for America. There's no doubt about that, but it's also bad for the people that are coming. The only people that are benefiting are the cartels, and they continue to get stronger and stronger. You see the war that's going on in Mexico um, where they are becoming empowered. If you want to know how these things end up playing out, take a look at what happened with the Medellin cartel and the Cali cartels and others in Colombia back when the cocaine wars were happening. You're talking about people like Pablo Escobar who was able to uh, rally an army. He built an army. That fought against his own government. He was blowing up government buildings. He was killing government agents, um, actually taking on his own country. And there were people that were supporting him either out of fear or out of allegiance because what he would do is he would build a soccer fields and he'd build homes for people in poor neighborhoods. And then he'd earn protection where nobody would rat him out because they were either afraid or they were loyal. And he did this by building a cocaine empire, largely sending his drugs to America, and um, he built his own prison. When you look at what's happening in Mexico, in some places in Mexico where it's very, very poor, people don't have many options. And when you're giving people an opportunity to make more money than they would make in 10 years, it's hard to pass up. When people are threatened with either join us or die, it's even worse. And more and more of that is happening, and it's a shame because Mexico is such a beautiful place, and they are such a big part and trading partner with with America. They are a huge trading partner, the biggest trading partner with the state of Arizona. Uh, we have got a great relationship and rapport with the people of Mexico, and we should be doing everything we can to make sure that Mexico is a stable neighbor to the U.S., And I don't think that any of what's happening at our border is helpful. 
We are seeing people come from other countries, navigating through Mexico, being brought through Mexico by the cartels in a very sophisticated system, and they're being enslaved. That's the other part of this, is the human trafficking element of all of this. The human trafficking element of all of this is it's heartbreaking when you're seeing young men. What's happening is they're coming to this country believing that once they get here, they're free. And when they get here, they're being forced into the drug trade. Young women are forced into the sex trade. If you've ever heard stories of the human trafficking and how brutal it is, young women that are being trafficked that find themselves Working in massage parlors and other places where they're um, they're you know providing sexual favors in exchange for money to pay off a debt, and they're told if you try to escape, we're going to kill you, and if you do escape, we'll kill your family in your home country. And if you don't think that that's a reality in what's happening, you're not paying attention. And that's just the surface of this. You dig deeper in what it's doing to our economy. We are we are building an underclass in America. We talk about the dreamers and what needs to be done. And again, um, there's no way, in my opinion, that we aren't going to allow the dreamers to be full citizens here in this country. These are young men and women who are educated in our schools, brought here by their parents through no fault of their own. And they are Americans by all accounts, except by birth certificate or citizenship documents. We have still not figured out at 100% what we're going to do with the dreamers, and yet we're creating the next generation with what we're doing right now. It is a situation that can't be taken lightly, and it has been overlooked by this administration for far too long. Um, Secretary Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, um, was talking to the press about what he hopes the president gets from his visit when he went to the border. I want him to see the extraordinary work of the men and women of the United States Border Patrol, of Customs and Border Protection's field operations, how we have surged resources to address a challenge that is not unique to the southern border of the United States. It's a challenge that is uh, really gripping our entire hemisphere. See, this is the problem. I have with statements like that. Let's take him at his word and say that this is happening all over the hemisphere. That doesn't mean that you can't address it properly here. We have, in this country, we are known as a nation of immigrants. The American dream is known around the world. And we should be proud of that. I think Americans, we always should be proud of people that become naturalized citizens. I think most Americans, I would say the vast majority of Americans are. When we see or we witness someone that has been sworn in or we meet somebody that's a naturalized citizen, to hear the pride in their voice that they are Americans and what they've gone through to make sure that they've spent the money and they've done the paperwork and they've taken the test and they've done everything necessary to become a citizen, it is a source of pride for Americans. We should never, ever, ever, ever lose that. But the problem with what's happening now is people circumventing the system. There's an element among us that believes that there should be no rules. Well, I I think that's absolutely false. There should be an orderly system in which we try to allow good people into this country to make this country a better place. Give them an opportunity at better lives. Give them an opportunity at the American dreams. And it strengthens America as well. I believe that to be true. But you have to have an orderly system. And when you talk about people, you say, well, you don't understand the plight. Yes, I do. I'm not ignorant to the plight of people. 
all the more reason why we have to have an orderly system. The, the cartels are preying upon people's fears and wishes. They are enriching themselves. It is damaging to the people that are coming. It is damaging to America, and nothing is being done to stop it. If we don't make sure that people understand, if you come here illegally, if you come here and do it the wrong way, you will be sent directly back across the border. There will be no trial or will be no hearing. There will be no judge. You will have to go and do it the right way. And then what we need is an immigration system that is expedited, that gives people a chance to do that the right way. We can do it. We're Americans. We can do this. It is not a one-size-fits-all. But all of these issues about the border don't matter without enforcement. And the same laws are on the books that have been on the books for decades and decades and decades. They're, none of them are being enforced. The policies of this administration are not helping. People are coming here saying that President Biden is inviting us here. And they are, they are stalling a system. And I know I've mentioned this multiple times even today, but it's worth repeating. We have a system in place for asylum for people. We are a place of refuge for people, and we have rules on that. And when people come here for asylum that deserve the asylum, they should get it quickly. They should not be bogged down in a system with people who are gaming the system that are staying here for years until they're hearing only to be denied asylum. The system needs to be repaired, and we just aren't doing a very good job of it. Not at all. We're going to talk about Kevin McCarthy being the Speaker of the House coming up before we close out the show. What is Kevin McCarthy's future, and how easy would it be to replace him if people don't like what he's doing? We'll talk about that next. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. You know, as busy as the news day has been, it's interesting. We haven't talked very much about Kevin McCarthy being the Speaker of the House. Um, it was a rough road, 15 votes to get in the Speaker's uh, chair, Speaker's gavel. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about that, setting the tone, as, as Representative McCarthy talks about setting the tone for the next session. We will hold the swamp accountable. From the withdrawal of Afghanistan to the origins of COVID and to the weaponization of the FBI. So um, what we have seen, and we've seen this from both sides of the aisle, and I'm anxious to see how this gets covered. I I really am. Um, The American people are demanding, I think, in more and more numbers, are demanding some progress out of Washington, D.C. One of the things that's concerning to me is the idea of hate speech. And what I mean by that is um, demonizing people that are saying things because we know that there are things that are said that are hateful. I've used my analogy of the ugly baby before. I have a right. Uh, The First Amendment protects my right to speak. If I am out in public and I see a couple with a child, I can walk up to that couple and tell them it's the ugliest baby I've ever seen. I can't be put in jail for that. And if the husband decides or the wife decides to smack me across the face, they could be in trouble because of committing an act of violence against me. That doesn't mean that I should have said what I said, that I'm not going to be ridiculed by the people around me. My point is speech is protected. 
And when you have one group of people defining one type of speech as hateful, therefore it should be illegal, it's a scary proposition because you will not always be in power. And that's where this, this is where this works together. Here we are, we've got a, a, a change from a very liberal Democrat Speaker of the House in Nancy Pelosi to Kevin McCarthy on the, on the right hand side. So now over the years, we saw Speaker Pelosi and what she did with Donald Trump tearing up the State of the Union speech and and uh, the investigations with both the judiciary and the intelligence committees for years and years and years. So now you're going to see the same thing on the other side. It's part of what happens. You can't condone one. You can't say one is necessary. You can't say one is legitimate and then not say the other is legitimate. It absolutely is. In the minds of a lot of people, everything that McCarthy just said needs to be investigated. And so this is going to be part of what you see. But if the American people don't see some kind of progress for their lives, because in the end, what it feels like to a lot of people is that politicians are now just using their power to advance their their agenda. And that doesn't necessarily bode well for the American people. So how does he plan on holding the administration accountable? This is a little bit of what he said. Let me be very clear. We will use the power of the purse and the power of the subpoena to get the job done. Now, I will tell you that I have concerns about what the FBI did. When you look at what's happened with the FBI uh, using its influence during the election cycle and t- uh, going to places like Twitter and Facebook and and pushing down the story of the Hunter Biden laptop story, all of us should be concerned about that. If that actually happened, if the if the FBI was going out and saying to social media platforms, this smells like Russian collusion, this smells like Russian disinformation or misinformation, that this is if they were doing that. Um, then those people need to be held accountable for it because that's not what the Federal Bureau of Investigation is supposed to be for. We understand that it, it's scary. I want you to think about, you know, even here locally, um, if you have somebody, um, if, if the sheriff of Maricopa County is working with the, uh, and it, 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 they don't work for the prosecuting's office, the, the county attorney's office does not work for the sheriff, but if you have somebody using the arm, if the governor of the state of Arizona uses DPS, is directing DPS because the DPS director works at the pleasure of the governor. If the governor of the state of Arizona is using the DPS office as a, as a, a strong arm, that's a scary thing. You know, and they have to remain independent. They should only be following the law. They should not be involved in anything political. Nothing. The way things are set up, it's supposed to be independent. They are a law enforcement agency. We know the Department of Justice, the same thing. If you weaponize the Department of Justice, it's a scary proposition. So all Americans should be curious about this. Now, how will the investigations be done? Are, is there going to be a good faith investigation where they uncover what's really there? We kept hearing during the investigation of President Trump from Adam Schiff, we heard over and over and over again that they had all of this evidence that they were going to bring forward, and then none of it was ever brought forward. And I don't know why Adam Schiff wasn't held accountable for that. But if the Republicans do the same thing, if if the Republicans start doing investigations into these areas, the Hunter Biden laptop story or otherwise, if they start doing these investigations and then they keep saying they have evidence that they never produce – 
you're no better than the other side. So it's going to be an interesting couple of years because, again, spending bills that otherwise you've got to work with the White House, but the White House has to work with you. Is there a relationship that can be built there where they can work for America? Or are we going to see a stalemate? It's a good question. Just about out of time, let me very quickly update you. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at BroomheadKTAR is my personal Twitter page. At um, Broomhead Show updates you on what's happening on the show, guests and otherwise. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's uh, Mike Broomhead, all one word. Would love to stay in touch with you between shows. And those are the best ways to do it for us to have a conversation. I always invite those conversations as well. The show begins tomorrow morning just after 8 a.m. I hope you can join me for part of your day. Thanks for being here for part of your day today. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, God bless.